If you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John 6. And before we read these words, let, let me just say something pretty obvious to you, but it meant a lot to me, is just that the words that we are going to read matter. They matter. I had to remind myself of that this week. Um, I, needed to, I needed to hear these words this week. Not just to learn more about Jesus, but to actually hear from Jesus and have him change my heart. You guys just get to listen to me preach to myself today, if that's all right. Um, you, you could just kind of eavesdrop on a sermon to myself. John chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, and truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes from me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Pray with me. Our Father, right now we ask that through your spirit you would do your work. You would create in us belief. You would open up our minds and our hearts to receive what you would have for us. Jesus, we need to hear from you in this place. I pray that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Last week, we looked at how Jesus fed 5,000 men, probably about 15 to 20,000 people, and he fed them all from a little boy's lunch, a few loaves and a couple of sardines. And after he did this, the people tried to, by force, make him king. And what Jesus did as they were trying to force him to be king, he snuck away. He went up on top of the mountain to get away from them. And when nightfall came, he snuck back down the mountain, and then he went to the other side of the Sea of Capernaum. However, Jesus didn't go by boat. He actually walked across the water. You can read about this right, right before the story we just read. In verses 18 through 21, we, we see Jesus walking across the water. And there's a whole lot that you can glean from the story of Jesus walking on the water. Uh, one takeaway right off is it's just awesome. I mean, when you look at that, it's just an awesome story, and, and it's just a display of God's power that Jesus could do this. He is so powerful, he could do absolutely anything, and that is certainly a takeaway. But that's not why John recorded this. It, his main point is, is he's trying to give us a lens or a, a filter in which we are to read all of this story about Jesus being the bread of life and about what comes after that. If you remember, all of this happened during the, uh, all of this happened during the Passover feast. Remember what the Passover feast is? It's when it's the holiday in which they remembered how how the destroyer passed over them and it liberated them. At this moment, they were free from slavery, from Egypt, and they got to head out to the promised land. And right after this very first Passover meal, the people then crossed the Red Sea. After they crossed the Red Sea, the first thing that happened to them was God rained down manna on them. After the manna, one of the next things is they needed water, so Moses struck the rock and then water flowed from it. And these are the exact events you see in the Gospel of John. It's why he wrote them this way. After the Passover, 
Jesus didn't part the sea, though. He actually just walked over it. And then when he got to the other side, he gives people the true manna himself as the bread of life. Right after he gives them manna, we'll see in John chapter 7, he says, I give you living water. Come to me, all who thirst. I'm the rock that was hit and split so that you might receive this water. And so we're supposed to see all of these events in light of the Passover, in light of the Exodus, that Jesus is the greater Moses. He is providing the greater Exodus. Moses just delivered, uh, delivered the people from slavery. Jesus delivers us from sin and death. Moses failed to bring people into the promised land. Jesus here is offering eternal life, eternal rest. After Jesus crosses the sea, the people wake up and they realize that Jesus is gone and he's gone to the other side of the sea. And so they run over to be with Jesus once again. And when Jesus sees them coming, he says this to them in verse 26. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do you know what Black Friday is? You know, the holiday after Thanksgiving. I've done the same thing every Black Friday. It's not shopping. I'm not a masochist. I'm, I'm not crazy. It's, that's not what I do. But I have eaten every Friday after Thanksgiving. And that is something I did not think was possible on Thanksgiving Day. I, I don't know about you, but I'm the ones who like, I, I sin. I commit gluttony. I, I call it feasting, but it's probably gluttony. And uh, I, I will loosen my belt. I will eat so much. In the afternoon, if you offer me a breath mint, I've got to turn you down because there is no room. And I think, I, I don't even want to see food. I can't eat again. Morning comes around. I'm like, hmm, I'm hungry. I, I, I want to eat. Last week, we saw how Jesus fed 15 to 20,000 people. Verse 12 says that they ate until they were full. So full that they kept passing baskets of leftovers and they all kept eating. But finally, there was 12 baskets left over that nobody wanted to touch. There simply was no more room. They went to sleep, they woke up, and Jesus was missing. Immediately, you know, they go to the fridge or they're looking for the baskets. Maybe they were left behind, the baskets are gone too. So they think we've got to find Jesus. We've got to find Jesus. Let's go to Capernaum. They're not after more teaching. They don't want to find him in order to worship him. They're not spiritually motivated. Their stomachs are hungry. They're growling again. And so they go to find Jesus. And Jesus tells them, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He says, I know why you're here. And it's just because you want your bellies filled again, but I tell you, don't labor for food that perishes. Well, when they hear Jesus say this, that they have to buy food that endures eternal life that the Son of Man will give you, they think that sounds pretty good. So they ask Jesus, well, tell us, what do we need to do? You said to labor for this food. Tell us the work we do so we could get this. 
And we read this in verse 28. And then they said to him, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now we're gonna look a lot more at this statement next week uh, because there is a lot there. We're only gonna kind of put our toe in the waters tonight and we'll unpack it more next week. But Jesus says, he says that you need to work for food that's gonna endure to eternal life and and, and you wanna know what to do? You gotta simply believe. Believe. Believe that the one standing in front of you can satisfy you. That's all I ask. You want to have food that endures to eternal life? Believe that I am the most valuable treasure you could possess. Believe that I can meet your needs. Taste and see that I am good. Well, the the people respond to Jesus by saying this, well, We'll believe if you give us a sign. Okay, if you want us to believe, then you're going to have to give us a sign. Look at verses 30 and 31. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, now tell me the truth. How many of you, when you read this and you hear their reaction, you just kind of want to pull your hair out? You want to pull your hair out when they say, well, if you give us a sign, I'm thinking, he just fed fifteen to 20,000 people from a little boy's lunch, and now you are asking for a sign. And I think they probably know, as the words are coming out of their mouth, they, they might sound a little silly at this, so they want to qualify it. All right, all right, I know, I know, granted, you fed 15, 20,000 people. But you know what Moses did? Moses? Well, he fed hundreds of thousands of people for 40 years. And he didn't give us some poor man's bread. He rained manna down from heaven. It tasted like honey. So if you want a sign, you want to give us a sign, that's a pretty good one. Feed us for the next 40 years with something that it just tastes like honey. To which Jesus responds, verse 32, 33. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I love Jesus' response to them. He essentially says, you know, everything you just said in that last sentence was true, except for the subject, the verb, the direct object, and the indirect object, okay? Other than that, you, you nailed it on the head. You missed the entire point of the Exodus. Moses didn't reign bread down from heaven. It was my father who did this. And he didn't do it to fill your bellies. He did it to point you to me, the bread of life, who can give you real life that endures forever. 
Now, these people hear Jesus talking to them. They have no idea what he is saying, but once again, he keeps talking about food, and so they want to keep digging in. They're like, all right, all right, okay, this sounds pretty good. Give us some of this bread. Much like the woman at the well heard Jesus talking about water, and she's like, well, give me some of this water. And Jesus replies to them, he says, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Now, this is the first of the I am statements by Jesus in the Gospel of John. He does seven I am statements. This is the first one here, that he is the bread of life. Now, there are two different Greek words that you can use for the word life. The words bios and the words zoe. Bios and zoe. Bios means your heart is pumping. Blood is moving through your veins. You are breathing in air. Oxygen is coming into your lungs. You exist. You're alive. You're physically alive. This is where we get the word biology from. Zoe is about the quality of life. Uh, Zoe is when you go to the beach and uh, you sit down in, in one of the chairs there, you, you take off your flip-flops, you've, you've got some kind of thriller novel you know, in one hand, a cold beverage in the other, you're, you're putting your toes in the sand, you're hearing the waves crash down, and, and as you're kicking back, you're like, this is living. This, this is what it means to be alive. And what you're talking about is the quality of life. That is Zoe. You're not saying when you say this is living, wow, oxygen is really going into my lungs at this moment. That's, that's not what you're talking about. I mean, they're like, no, this is life. Jesus says that he is the bread of Zoe, not the bread of Bios. He is the bread of life. He is not the bread of existence. Jesus isn't offering eternal existence to us, just that we would go on and on and on and not physically die. That's actually more descriptive of the biblical view of hell than it is of heaven, just simply existing forever. I don't know if any of you like to read sci-fi. I, I do. Um, occasionally there's a really good sci-fi book that kind of picks up on this theme. You know, somebody finds the fountain of youth or somebody drinks some potion and they, they live forever. And at first it's such an awesome thing. They're living forever. But by the end of the book, they just want to die. Because existing forever is hell. Jesus is not the bread of existence. He is the bread of life. He's offering eternal rest, eternal joy. Now, every one of you here is trying to find life. You are trying to find Zoe. I see a few students out here. If you're a student right now, fall break is your Zoe. You're thinking, if I could just make it a few more weeks, then ah, I can rest. 
teachers who are here, you're thinking fall break. <laughs> if I could just make it to fall break, there's my Zoe. If you're a CPA, you're thinking April 16th. If I could just make it to April 16th, then, man, then I can live. Then finally I can rest. Some of you are working for the weekend. You just can't wait to get to the weekend. Or some of you are just working so hard for your next vacation. Some of you are just dreaming of, of the time, maybe a Saturday afternoon. If I can make it a Saturday afternoon, sit in my comfy chair, lift up my feet, you know, cold beverage, game on. <sighs> Zoe, life. Some of you are thinking if you just make it back to the beach or if you could just make it back to the mountains. If you could just make it to the next date night with your wife. If you could just finally finish this big project that's been looming over at work or finish this big house renovation project. Once you get to that, Zoe, what you believe is Zoe. But let me ask, what happens when you reach it? What happens when fall break comes? What happens when you finish that project or you make it to the weekend? You know what happens? It's, it's the day after Thanksgiving. You find yourselves hungry again. It was good for a little bit, but, but it didn't last forever. And so you find yourselves hungry again. C.S. Lewis said that there is not a cup of tea large enough and there is not a book long enough to satisfy him. They will always run dry. Let me ask you, is there anybody here who gets really stressed out before you go on vacation? You know, you grew up in that family where don't get near mom. Like, you know, it's like we're about to go on vacation. You just stay clear of mom at this time because they're just, just so stressed. And maybe some of you are this way. And I know if you're a parent, it's, it's a challenge getting kids ready to go on the trip or getting them ready to ship off so you could go on a trip. Uh, I, I realize it's a challenge but what about if you are just going crazy and you're so anxious, you're always losing your patience before you take on a trip? Why is that? The reason is the expectations you have on that trip is Zoe. And that is a weight that that trip cannot, cannot hold. You're putting, you're putting too much weight too much pressure on that. But no matter how great that vacation is, it will not carry the weight. The moment you get home from that vacation, you know what you're going to do? I mean, on the plane home or on the drive home, you're already thinking of what? When's the next vacation? <laughs> When's the next trip? Jesus says, do not work for bread that perishes. It says, come eat from bread that endures to eternal life. It says, I'm the only person, I'm the only thing that can really satisfy you. And when we go to him believing this, believing in him, we will find our souls nourished in such a way that more so than any weekend, any date night, any, any house project that's finished, those things can't fill us like Jesus. 
And I, wanna, I want you to hear me say, I'm not saying you cannot enjoy those things. You can enjoy going to the beach. If somebody gives you, you know, a, a free condo at the beach, um, you should take it or give it to the pastor for him, him to take. I, I will gladly take that from you. I'm not saying you cannot enjoy those things. Actually, I am saying you can enjoy those things so much more because you're not making them bear a weight that they should not. You're not looking to them to meet a need in which they cannot meet. It's the difference between going grocery shopping when you're full or grocery shopping when you are hungry. I mean, how many of you make the mistake sometimes of going grocery shopping when you're hungry? It, it's a horrible mistake. You have this huge bill. I, I mean, the times I've gone there, I'm like, hostess cupcakes, you know, I'm beef jerky. You know, you're just, you're putting everything in there. You're putting absolute junk in there because you're going starved. It's, it's like eating dessert when you're hungry. You can't enjoy it. You're like cookies. You're just shoving cookies in as fast as you can in your mouth. The, the way to eat dessert is to go in full. When you go in full, you can stop and you can savor it. The way to grocery shop is when you're full and you can make wise decisions instead of all these impulsive buys. Listen. When you go to Jesus as the bread of life and you fill yourself with him, then this is going to actually enable you to enjoy other things more, enjoy his gifts so much more. You can enjoy your fall break, whether you're a student or a teacher, because you're not looking to it for Zoe. Singles, you can enjoy going on a date or maybe going to some kind of social gathering where you might find a date because you're not going there starving. I've just got to find somebody. I've got to get meaning that way. You can enjoy good food or a great vacation because you're not asking those things to carry a weight they weren't meant to carry. You can savor those things because you're already full when you go. You can enjoy all of these things because you don't have to have them. Your stomach's not growling. Not only do you not have to have them, I would say you don't even have to fear losing them. Just think of how generous you would be if your heart was full. If your heart was full, can you imagine just how generous you would be? Paul says something very similar to Jesus um, in Ephesians chapter 5. He says that we are not to be drunk with wine, but we are to be filled with the Spirit. And so just as Jesus broke down everything into two categories, really you have your, kind of your bread of existence, your bread that perishes, and then you have your bread of life. Paul breaks down everything into two categories. He says, you know, being uh, filled with wine or drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. Now, drinking wine, being drunk with wine, and being filled with the Spirit actually have some similarities. Um, both are controlling factors in your life. You come under the influence of them, if you will. Uh, both 
uh, drinking wine and being filled with the Spirit can give you a courage or a boldness that you might not normally possess. So, so there are some commonalities, but there's some pretty huge differences. And one of the main differences is this. Wine, alcohol is a depressant. The Spirit of God is a stimulant. Wine is a depressant. It, it, it gives you a sense of freedom only by dulling your senses. It, it numbs you to the harsh realities of the world. It provides you with a way of escape. If life is really hard, well, you could just go to the bottle and you can escape for a moment. The spirit, however, does not act as a depressant. He is a stimulant. The spirit of God gives you life, real, refreshing, invigorating, sobering, exhilarating life to the full. Your, your senses are not dulled, but they are sharpened. You are never more alive. You don't need to escape life because you have actually been given an amazing life, the life. So listen, when, when Jesus says that we are not to work for the bread that perishes, he is saying we should not be working for things that are just gonna, they work by dulling our senses. We're not, we're not to go through life just trying to find thing after thing that could, will allow us to escape our reality. I mean, why do you think we binge on Netflix? It's to escape reality. Why do we do shopping therapy? Why are we always thinking about our next home uh, renovation? Why do we obsess over Pinterest? It's a form of escape. Why do we spend all, time, all day daydreaming about our next vacation? It's because we want an escape from our current reality. And Jesus says, I'm offering you here right now something so much greater than escape. I'm not out to numb your senses, but I want to heighten them. I want to give you life. Real life. And when we come to believe in Jesus, know that everything changes. The food that perishes no longer dominates our mind. It no longer dominates our thoughts. We might have the same job, the same house, the same singleness, but everything is different now because of Jesus. The question is this. Are you coming to him and feasting on him? Are you nibbling so much on the world that you have lost your appetite and your senses have become dull? Jesus says, come to me. Believe. Do not labor for food that will not satisfy. Do not labor for the bread of existence when I offer you the bread of life. Hear these words from Isaiah 55 that we open the service with. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why? 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent, diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Pray with me. Spirit of God, I ask that you would call us, that we would hear you calling us to come to Jesus. Lord, we repent from all of our labors that have led to bread that perishes. From going to bread of existence to bread of existence to bread of existence. And we always leave hungry. Jesus, may we come to you who satisfies. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.